Hey, let's talk about voting. Joe Biden ran for senator of Delaware back in 1972. Became the tightest, most competitive election that year. Despite being down 20-plus percentage points, pulled off a mammoth upset thanks to strong voter turnout. He became the youngest senator in 40 years, and his political career would, of course, extend decades and generations and would also involve tons of heartbreak before finally making it to the presidency. The same White House he was about to work for had not only already spent years damaging a socialist Chilean government, but they also ultimately supported and probably even helped stage a military coup against Salvador Allende. Since this is the Cold War era, anything with Castro's approval, anything with the mere word socialist was enough to make the United States government panic. During Joe Biden's first year in the Senate, Chile's President Salvador Allende watched in horror as his capital city of Santiago was being bombed and attacked by the very military that was supposed to protect him and the Chilean people. Knowing his time was almost up, he broadcast a final message over the radio. It was a message of hope. It was a message assuring that someday Chileans will truly be free from the political plagues ailing the hemisphere at the time. Trabajadores de mi patria, tengo fe en Chile y su destino. Sigan ustedes sabiendo que mucho más temprano que tarde, de nuevo abrirán las grandes alamedas por donde pase el hombre libre para construir una sociedad mejor. ¡Viva Chile! ¡Viva el pueblo! ¡Vivan los trabajadores! After the broadcast, he then killed himself with an AK-47, choosing death over falling to the hands of the military run by the soon-to-be leader Pinochet. Whether or not the United States knew just how awful Pinochet would become remains a topic of discussion, but the cruel, cruel irony remains, especially for those who believe in karma. The Chilean military coup, supported by the U.S., occurred on September 11, 1973. Just imagine your emotions as a Chilean when you woke up on that fateful morning in 2001 and saw the news. During the dictatorship, over 130,000 Chileans were arrested, tens of thousands were tortured and disappeared, with over 3,000 confirmed killed. The actual number we will never know. Nearly 50 years after the terrible U.S.-backed tragedy that wrecked Chile into an unrecognizable state, the country had an election in which one of the leading candidates was an actual supporter of this very same right-wing dictatorship that ruined generations of lives. Jose Antonio Cast was a politician running for the presidency while supporting the Pinochet dictatorship because of his supposed desires for stronger law and order. Imagine that being your example for law and order. Imagine being like, hey, remember that time the corrupt government killed thousands and was so right-wing the descendants of Nazis up in the Chilean and Patagonian mountains decided to participate in the hunting and executing of left-leaning citizens? I want that again. So what did the Chilean voting public do? They gave Gabriel Boric, the one lone candidate standing in the way of another extreme right-wing presidency, the most votes in the history of Chilean elections. This was a giant rejection of the Nazi-esque ideals that had ruined Chile decades before. Chileans knew the threat, 
They still feel the pain during the horrifying era of military coups throughout Central and South America and wanted to stomp out any uprisings from those ashes, especially with Chile rewriting their entire constitution to remove any semblance of Pinochet. Starting in March 2022, Chile has now been graced with the youngest president in its history and arguably the first Swifty in global politics. Now, why did I mention Joe Biden in this tale? Let me be clear. Biden is not responsible for what happened in 1973. But I mention him because Biden's first year in politics was at the same time as the deadly downward spiral of Chile. And if people don't show up to vote within the next two elections, his final years in politics will oversee a similar downward spiral here in the USA that may take generations to fully recover from. In other words, y'all better show up to vote or all the consequences that can and will emerge from the MAGA cult gaining power will be on you. Welcome to Coffee and a Script. Alright, doing this to appease my lawyers. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the podcaster and only the podcaster, not any of the advertisers or supporters. All takes cold and hot belong strictly to the author. On with the show. Welcome. Have a seat if you haven't sat down yet. I know I started things a little on the heavy side, so I'll put the voting conversation aside just for a little bit so I can introduce myself properly. My name is Milton E. Malspin. Sounds better in Spanish. Soy Milton Emilio Malespin. I'm a Dominican Floridian, Democratic Socialist freelancer, and aspiring screenwriter trying to survive Floridian politics while working in the front lines of tourist country. Very simple. I'm doing this podcast as a little experiment about how to combine the topics of art, capitalism, and politics into a cohesive audio space. It'll be primarily about the relationship between art, past and present, and the American capitalism mindset, and how they affect each other. I'm also using this podcast as a way to advertise my scripts, advertise myself since I lack an agent, and lack the connections needed to make it to the film and television industry. I can only work for theme parks for so long. The way it works here is hopefully three or four times a month you'll get new content, And if I can establish more stability in my life, it'll be a weekly affair. To add to that, every once in a while, one of these main topics will also be converted to a YouTube video so I can support some of my arguments and topics with visuals. You know, some added flair. Format is simple. Main topic introduction. I will discuss three pieces of news I want to briefly discuss. Toss in a sponsor, whether I have one or not. Sponsor some of my scripts. And then after the warm-up, we tackle the main issue. The goal for these episodes is to be at least 30 minutes, but never pass an hour because I'm pretty sure at the 45-minute point, you'll be tired of hearing my voice and my voice alone. This is a solo affair, so as of now, we're not going to have any guests or backup hosts. But we'll see what the future holds. So let's talk news, shall we? The first piece of news I want to cover is the already forgotten terrible, 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 terrible timing of the Canadian trucker protest. 
These people were complaining about a tyrannical government. They are trying to raise hell because they saw a government that supposedly was no longer catering to their needs and was, you know, providing way too many restrictions, even though we were in the middle of a pandemic still. But not only was this protest started in bad faith and was supported by scum financially and, you know, in media, but then Vladimir Putin thousands of miles away, displays what a truly bad leader is and what a truly bad government is and undermine their entire movement. The trucker protest looked like nothing when you compare it to an entire invasion and an entire genocidal attempt on another country by, you know, Russia, by the Russian government. Not Russia, because even the Russians have had enough of Vladimir Putin, but the Russian government. So... Justin Trudeau cannot look like the tyrannical dictator that people were saying he was, you know, Fidel Castro's son and all that nonsense, when you had actual terrible leadership pretty much harming the entire global economy and killing tens of thousands of people just because an old man just could not get over the fact that the Soviet Union no longer exists. This trucker movement was primarily bad timing. And timing is everything, folks. Everything, even in protest. And back to that unfortunate topic about the Ukraine. This is just a case of more consequences of bad old male leaders with Cold War mindsets. Whether it's Bolsonaro out in Brazil, Donald Trump, who we got rid of, for now, Xi Jinping out in China, a.k.a. Winnie the Pooh, And then now Vladimir Putin, these old leaders are stuck in the past and they just keep causing global problems because of it, whether it's war or even the spread of the coronavirus, because let's be clear, the spread of the coronavirus happened because of the egos of old leaders. The Ukraine invasion is a result of one man. So as a reminder, we should also not punish the Russian people for the deranged actions of said one man. I am a firm believer that sanctions will help, but let's also not villainize the entire country when it's just one terrible individual who is causing all this pain. And lastly, we got to talk about those gas prices in the American economy. So look, Joe Biden was not my first option. He really wasn't my second option. But you also, you can't help but feel bad for the guy because you have gas prices that are up because these companies have gotten very greedy and because there's warfare right out in the Ukraine, which has affected prices globally. But you have the other side that is pretty much blaming Biden on gas prices, but the one solution that exists would only anger them even further. So if you look at Mexico, the Mexican government controls the gas prices. So can you imagine Biden's administration being like, okay, gas prices will not and shall not exceed a certain amount. Then the Republican Party will just simply scream, free market, what happened to business being allowed to do what they want? So... Joe Biden's in a very tough position, especially with the midterms coming up, and especially as the MAGA movement continues to poison the stupid-ass party that has been absolutely irreversibly terrible since the Reagan administration. I 
At this point, Biden should just triple down and just ignore them completely and just focus on people that are trying to actually improve the country as opposed to just improving their financial pockets. But honestly, the solution is to control gas prices. Federal government should get involved, but don't, you know. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But one can dream, right? Alright, let me check for sponsors, and I see none. Okay, wow. Alright, let's play some happier music to start things off before we tackle the main topic, which is just more politics. And go. There we go. 33,000. Remember that number. 33,000. 33,000 is about half the amount of people that have perished from the pandemic in the state of Florida so far. That we know of because Florida's data is sketchy. 33,000 is just 0.15% of Florida's total documented population. And those numbers are also a bit jumbled because of the pandemic and because of the amount of people that bounce in and out of the state. Back in 2018, Florida voters approved a measure that would give felons who already did their time in jail, prison, the right to vote. Of course, this greatly benefited black Americans who were sadly jailed at four times the rate of white Americans in the Sunshine State because, you know, racism. Even wilder, before that law was passed, 20% of black Americans in the state of Florida couldn't vote. Imagine that in every election, Justin Timberlake could never vote even though the rest of NSYNC could. But Republicans in 2019 under shitbag DeSantis added a measure requiring them to also have to fully pay their fines and debts before registering to vote legally. So even though the convicted people did their time, currently pay their taxes, they still have this poll tax before fully assimilating into American society with the right to vote. After that ridiculous measure was enforced, 700,000 plus lost their voting privileges. So back to 33,000. That's about a third of how many Floridians are currently incarcerated and one-tenth of the population of black Americans who have faced or will face complications to vote because of the 2019 measure. At this point, you're wondering what 33,000 represents. Well, that's the amount of votes Andrew Gillum needed to beat DeSantis back in 2018. Andrew Gillum lost by a brutal brutal 0.04 percentage points. So you have to believe that when the Republicans saw how close they were to not only losing Florida governorship for the first time since 1994, but losing it to a Bernie Sanders-backed Democratic Socialist, they freaked the hell out. The state with the notoriously anti-socialist population scattered throughout South Florida nearly voted a socialist in displaying an obvious political shift in the Sunshine State, mostly started by Bernie Sanders back in 2015. And Gillum would have easily won had the now infamous voting restoration bill passed with just a one election cycle before because of his strong black and Latino support. We were so, so close. Honestly, This loss hurt more than Hillary losing in 2016 because this could have been the first political domino to begin toppling the MAGA movement even sooner. And also because Gillum actually campaigned. But yeah, that's another story. Instead, that stupid Trump clone won. Voting rights progress went backwards. 
And in 2020, we saw the MAGA movement overwhelm the state as black Americans continue to be disenfranchised and frustrated by the poll taxes, the ridiculous incarceration rates, and by the racism that has come out front and center in the Sunshine State, and in higher numbers since Trump took office. Fun fact, every single Latino and black American that voted in Florida could have picked Joe Biden, and he'd still lose to Trump in this state, adding more emphasis to the importance of expanding voting rights to everyone. So now, after I've told you this, and after all the Republican-leaning states drafting and passing stricter voting measures that is targeted against minorities, the question is, why in the hell should I ever vote again? What's the point of voting in this country? The United States is in a wild crisis that is a result of one political party leaning hard into white supremacy territory while manipulating the dated rules, tactics, and policies of voting to their absolute limit while the other party continues to fight with kitty gloves because the old guard refuses to accept that their former peers have sold their souls to the devil himself. Some of those old peers don't even recognize the severity of what's happening nationwide. So even after Biden received a whopping 81 million votes to become president, here we are seemingly back to square one because our access to voting is being limited nationwide on a monthly basis, and the maggots are even playing with rules to decertify what the voters might want. And this is on top of their attempts to ban books and even ban American history. To make matters even more fun, the Voting Rights Act is dying in the Senate even though under the Bush Jr. years some of these same politicians passed similar bills with heavy bipartisanship support and no controversy. We need term limits, but that's for another day. So no Voting Rights Act, red coat Republicans are punishing minorities for overwhelmingly showing up for Biden, and we have a few specific Democrats in the Senate looking at their pockets instead of the future of the country while making their decisions, seemingly being fine with voting restrictions increasing tenfold. So I ask again, what's the point? As a progressive, what's the point of voting? So funny story. This was originally the part where I made this grandiose argument about how you are voting for your history. You are voting because your ancestors would have wanted you to. I had all these heroic statements about our path to this moment and whatnot, and how we should vote because of the millions that had not been able to vote historically. Which, you know, it's not wrong. But, I threw all that away because I think it's better to be blunt. You are going to vote because you absolutely have to vote or you're becoming complacent to what's going on. I am tired of the tiptoeing around the realities we can clearly see. Now, if you, ha if you have actually made it this far, congratulations. And also, if you've made it this far, then you are more than intelligent enough to understand what's at stake and what's going to happen if those morally corrupt maggots regain their power. We are already seeing samples of it in a, as abortion rights, voting rights, LGBTQ rights, and even the simple right to learning actual history is being threatened from these political dipshits. DeSantis has to go. Rubio has to go. Abbott has to go. Brian Kemp has to go. Rand Paul has to go. Tom Cotton, Jim Jordan, all of them, dipshits, have to go. It is crucial to see their political careers crash and burn for the good of the country. And yes, 
Voting is hard. It's an overly complicated, ridiculous process that becomes more complex depending on where in the United States you are living at. That being said, if we have to beat them while abiding on their dumb fuck rules, then let's crush them this November and in 2014 and end the MAGA movement once and for all. Take a day off to register to vote. Take a week off if you have to. Carpool. Rent a car. Rent a bus. Start a WhatsApp chat group. Start a Facebook group. No, not Facebook. Screw Facebook. Make a road trip out of it. Do whatever it takes. 99% of you know your job doesn't deserve you, so don't feel bad if it means losing work to cast your vote. I honestly don't want excuses. Not in this era. Trump and the maggots' unexpected victory over the underprepared Democratic Party gave us an extreme rise in blatant racism, white supremacist groups, anti-Semitism, anti-Latinoism, horrible changes in tax codes, a polarized country, anti-science, anti-history, a news media atmosphere that's completely forgotten how to do its job, and it all cumulated in a global pandemic that was supported by the stupid, selfish, ignorant moves of a dumbass administration full of greedy, immoral cult followers. You know this, and you know there will be more of this if we stop showing up to vote. The Republican Party is actually an endangered species. They are honestly potentially a few election cycles and a few bills away from losing all power. As a reminder, conservatism and the Republican Party are two completely different things. I am not anti-conservative. I'm anti-Republican Party. So, back to the topic. This November, I don't want excuses. I only want results. I don't want to pay for a taller wall. I don't want to have to pay extra in taxes because maggots are going to fuck up the tax code again. I don't want this vision of white America having federal representation. And biggest of all, I don't want leadership that inspires the scummiest of American citizens, whether it be the bakery owners refusing to make a cake for a gay couple or the Texan mass shooter that traveled hundreds of miles to El Paso to hunt down Mexicans. I absolutely refuse to live another era of this crap. Check your registration now. Check the registration of your loved ones now. Figure out what will be required to vote now. Start asking for the time off. Start making a giant plan on how to get yourself and as many people as possible to the voting booths in October and November. Arrive in packs, in giant groups. Blast Bad Bunny on your way there to be energized. No more excuses. All the great policies that progressives like myself want to implement for the next generation of the United States are, believe it or not, universally embraced by the population in rural and as well as in large cities. Ideas like Medicare for all, child tax credits, free lunches for kids in school, affordable secondary education, legal and safe abortion, stronger public transportation, internet access for all, expanded voting rights are all things embraced by politicians on the Democrat side while simultaneously being stonewalled by the Republicans and are currently being held up in the White House because we have yet to vote the proper demographics to Washington, D.C. And it's partially because we constantly have to vote under current maggot terms. There's also the fact that our election process is extremely dated and in dire need of updating. But that's another story, because <laughs> rewriting the Constitution, that's another story. So until we are powerful enough to expand statehood and update the Constitution, like Chile, as a throwback to the story in the beginning of this podcast, let's beat them on their game, on their rules, on their court. Make plans. 
Turn it into a November vacation where you can vote and then travel to another city or at least to a nice restaurant. Yes, I agree. Voting is a chore. It's difficult, annoying, unnecessarily full of obstacles, and there will be many who want to participate but won't be able to. So it's up to you listening to begin the preparations right now, even if we haven't even made it to summer. In recent years, Chile showed up. Bolivia showed up. Peru showed up. (sighs) Peru. (sighs) Honduras showed up. And this fall, it will be Brazil's turn. And the latest numbers has the beautiful Brazilian people prepared to oust Amazonian Trump, Bolsonaro, who has directly been responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths by rejecting the severity of a global pandemic entirely. We American citizens have a duty and now a responsibility to not once again fall into that maggot trap door. Yes, you have every reason to be frustrated at American politics and not want to participate at all. But in my eyes, it's still not an excuse to turn your back on those who would be most affected by another MAGA wave. So I'm not asking, I am telling you this, go out and vote. I know the blue team has been a bit of a mess, but their wing has significantly more people actually seeking proper changes as opposed to the other side who has chosen to collectively bend the knee for an angry racist Cheeto while ignoring virtually everything the American people actually want. I don't want to just win. I want the MAGA movement and the current Republican Party to be extinct. And the first step is keeping them far, far away from the steering wheel and hopefully away from the political vehicle entirely. Chile voted in a millennial Taylor Swift megafan as president, and they're about to rewrite their entire constitution. The least we can do is get rid of that slimy Marco Rubio out of Florida. (sighs) Alright, um, let's put that happy music again. There we go. Thank you for listening. If you want more of my content or want to financially support, my website is diac1987.com. I will also eventually have a Patreon, which will give you early access and additional content as a reward for your contributions. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll be back eventually with, with hopefully a more joyful topic. Oh yeah, buy the dip, and solidarity forever.